this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindus in focus podcast with me amit barua your host for this episode less than 2 months after being re-elected as the president of france emmanuel macron finds himself missing a parliamentary majority one that will require him to seek political allies to govern both the left and the far right find themselves strengthened as president macron's supporters managed only 245 seats in parliament well short of the 289 required for a majority ironically mr macron is the first french president to be re-elected since 2002 but now finds himself under attack from both the left and the far right as he looks either for more allies or to run a minority government mr macron also faces an uncertain international climate with the invasion of ukraine looming large over europe and the rest of the world to discuss these issues i have with me today kaval sibal former indian ambassador to france who has also served as india's foreign secretary welcome to the in focus podcast mr sibal thank you mr sibal to ask you what do you make you you you've done a, a term not just as ambassador in paris as india's ambassador but also you served uh, in a diplomatic capacity for several years earlier so you know french politics well how do you read the tea leaves i think this has come as a bit of a surprise because uh, at the end of the day he won uh, the presidential election by a healthy margin of 58.5% it is therefore a bit surprising that he was not able to uh, have a parliamentary a majority this is a quite unusual in france as you know his presidency was quite contested you, you had this uh, gilet jaune agitation will lasted for a long time he was not able to implement uh, many of his uh, plans for reforming the uh, french economy to make it more competitive to be able to actually raise uh, france standing uh, in europe itself uh, because uh, as you know germany is the economic motor of the eu and france uh, and germany together constitute the core of the eu so in order to have a better balance between france and germany on the economic side uh, president macron had this vision of uh, making this uh, making the french economy much more uh, modern and uh, much more uh, oriented towards uh, you know success in in terms of meeting the current challenges that are facing not only france but the global economy it was a top down effort based on his uh, ideas and apparently uh, from all accounts one understands that uh, he is uh, very stubborn in the sense that when he has something in his head he wants to go ahead and, and implement it as you know part of his uh, uh, reform that he did in terms of the administration of the country he uh, he did away with the ecole nationale d'administration which is actually uh, the source of uh, of all the competence that france has in its bureaucracy in terms of managing the society at large uh, he's now he actually then decided actually to do away with the <laughs> with the french foreign service with a case or say so <laughs> these are the kind of reforms that he did he wanted to raise the retirement age because uh, it is still very low compared to 
uh, European uh, uh, countries. There's a huge burden on the younger generation because of pensions and everything else. So these are the kind of things that uh, some of which he did, some of which he could not because of social resistance. So at the end of the day, uh, he was not able to secure a parliamentary majority. As you know, the left, extreme left, has done very well under Mélenchon, winning 131 seats. In fact, Mélenchon uh, thought that he might become the prime minister and win a working majority in these elections, but this has not happened. But what, has, what is actually even more disconcerting for many in France is the rise of the uh, right-wing, extreme right-wing party of Marine Le Pen, uh, which uh, has now secured 89 seats, up from eight that they had uh, in the previous parliament. Uh, this has come as a bit of a shock uh, to many, uh, because uh, although in the presidential election, presidential election Marine Le Pen did uh, rather well, but the way the French electoral system is constituted in the first and second rounds, uh, with, with two rounds of elections, it had become in the past uh, virtually impossible uh, for the extreme right uh, to win a substantial number of seats. But this time, essentially because Marine Le Pen has moved away from the extreme right-wing uh, program of the party and made it relatively uh, more moderate, though on certain core issues like NATO and European Union and others, she has ideas which, with which the French uh, establishment is not at all uh, comfortable. So now you have a situation where Macron has won 245 seats, as you said, he needed 289 uh, for uh, uh, his party to have an absolute majority. There is 131 seats that uh, uh, Mélenchon, the extreme left, has won and 89 seats that extreme right has won. So he's caught between these two pincers. Now, the other uh, awkward situation for the president is that uh, the earlier conservative right-wing parties uh, which fought this election under the party name of uh, Les Républicains, LR, uh, they have won 61 seats. But uh, they are unforgiving because uh, Macron won his first presidential election after decimating not only the socialists, but also the right-wing conservatives. And many of the tall right-wing conservative leaders who, if they had remained in circulation and had won these elections, could have been his partners. But now in the LR, the Les Républicains, uh, there is hardly any significant personality who can uh, play a vital role in establishing a coalition uh, with the presidential party. Uh, and now, as you know, their spokesman has said very clearly, we are not going to have any coalition or any understanding or any arrangement with, uh, with uh, Macron because they're very bitter for, from the past experience. But I'll conclude by saying this, that in the larger national interest, I think at the end of the day, they will have to cobble a coalition between Macron's party and the right-wing parties. With, with 61 that they have, they'll be have they, they will be able to have a, a majority in terms of uh, governance. Short of that, as now the analysis are, that they will seek to have issue-based cooperation, have a minority government, but there are moderate socialists, there are people who are relatively moderate even on the extreme right, and see if on the basis of issues and his agenda, he can form some kind of a working arrangement with these parties, issue-based cooperation with these parties, and then govern France. But that doesn't really actually would result in uh, France being uh, governed smoothly, efficiently, productively, uh, with the ideas of Macron to reform the economy.
Well, uh, just on the same point, actually, a French uh, political scientist has said that for Mr. Macron, the next five years will be about negotiations and parliamentary compromises. You, you think that's an accurate reading of the situation? Well, you know, at the moment, everybody is guessing because uh, this, has, this hasn't happened before. Uh, whereas in the rest of Europe, uh, this has happened. Even Germany, as you know, the last elections, they had a you know, arrangement between uh, the two parties which fought the election, Merkel's party and the, and the socialists. Today, even, you know, there is a four-party coalition in Germany and there is a common program which is highly elaborate and detailed running into several pages which will be the basis of governance. I'm saying this because for the other countries in Europe, whether it is Holland or Belgium or Germany, they, they are used to working with governments which may not have a majority through the process of elections. But in France, don't have that experience. And therefore, there is this speculation that France would become very difficult uh, uh, to govern uh, because uh, the uh, uh, extreme right wing and the extreme left wing parties that have emerged frankly, uh, are deeply opposed uh, to President Macron himself, his thinking, his policies, his background. He's perceived as being uh, a uh, representative of the capitalists, if you like, uh, because of his association with McKinsey and others. They have certain views on him, uh, which will make governance uh, uh, certainly difficult. So, what is your sense? I mean, uh, you mentioned this earlier in uh, what you were saying. That do you think that he will ally uh, with the sort of moderate right, or will he go for an issue-to-issue based support from you know whoever is willing to support him or his prime minister? Well, he's. I understand that he's called all the parties uh, for a meeting uh, to see how the challenge that has now emerged in terms of governance of the country would be handled. I have a feeling that uh, people like Mélenchon, who are very bitterly opposed to his ideas, and Marine Le Pen too, uh, who has uh, got some very different ideas with regard to uh, France and its relations to Europe. Because as you know, Macron wants to deepen uh, the French uh, European integration. You know, in, the, in a sense, he he's the only leader in Europe who has now taken the leadership role in terms of strengthening the European Union and giving it some kind of a uh, independent role in uh, conducting European affairs rather than being simply uh, camp followers of the Americans, as seems to be the case <laughs> at, at present. But this agenda, which from the larger international foreign policy point of view uh, might seem very constructive and forward-looking, doesn't resonate very much internally in France, where they are far more concerned with bread and butter issues, issues of pensions, the retirement age, and health and what have you, uh, and the erosion of uh, the salaries uh, uh, and stuff like that. And therefore, on these issues, he'll, he will meet a lot of challenge within, as he met when uh, the Gilets Jaunes agitation uh, was carried on for a long time, uh, and it was very difficult uh, uh, to suppress that. So there are, how should I say, uncertainties, uh, uncertainties ahead, but frankly, at the end of the day, they will find a way of working together because it's a, it's a major country, it's a P5 country. It is, along with Germany, the motor of Europe. And therefore, no one uh, would be interested in diminishing the role of France uh, in European affairs and international affairs 
because of uh, the, the result of these elections. So they will find a constructive way, I think, uh, to deal with the situation. From what I understand, uh, you know, the performance, the very impressive performance of the far right is going to give them a lot of space in parliament and they will come to have a voice which they previously didn't have in the French parliament. So how do you see, uh, you know, will these uh, are these views which will be reflected in parliament uh, a representative of uh, the French working class or the French people, uh, you know, a large section of whom seem to have voted for um, the far right and its leader? Well, I think um, it's going to be very difficult because uh, Macron has a certain style of governance, a certain uh, way of uh, imposing his will uh, and his thinking, and uh, he's reluctant to make uh, compromises. This is a top-down exercise. As you know, uh, his style of uh, governance was called uh, the Jupiter style of governance, the lord of all things looking from above. So that won't uh, that won't be possible now. He'll, he'll have to make compromises. His attitude would have to change. He'll be willing. He'll have to make uh, adjustments in, in his style of functioning. And in terms of his uh, agenda, uh, he will feel he'll face a lot of challenge uh, from within, and it will not be easy for him uh, to get the legislation that he has in mind passed uh, by by this by this parliament. On the other hand, there is a view that uh, part of the reason why there have been constant street agitations and strikes and uh, social unrest and everything else, including this gilet jaune, was that a large large part of uh, uh, the French uh, electorate did not feel that uh, they that that the parliament complexion uh, uh, really reflected uh, them and the, and their concerns. And now there is a view that now that the left and the extreme right have won all these seats in uh, parliament, there will now be real debates in parliament on these issues where the views of those who are opposing the government in the streets will now find expression in debates in parliament, which might be a good thing. So that at the end of the day, it is better if the opposition to the government gets reflected in the parliamentary process rather than in, in street uh, protests. That is, a, that is a view also. But the long and short is that uh, uh, Macron's uh, agenda for the next five years, whatever he had in mind when he won the president election, uh, would be very difficult, very difficult to implement, and he'll have to make uh, a lot of compromises. Uh, looking at uh, foreign policy issues, uh, Mr. Sibwell, we, we all know that uh, it's a very difficult time in uh, world politics uh, with the invasion of Ukraine and uh, the response from the West so far. Uh, we, we also saw Macron in touch with Putin in the earlier stages uh, of the conflict. Uh, how do you see in his, uh, you know, second presidency, as it were, you know, how is he going to be uh, able to play any role in uh, you know bringing about uh, some kind of a solution uh, to this uh, situation in Ukraine, I don't think France itself has the horsepower to do so. Uh, it has to be France and Germany combined. I think it's Im important to underline that uh, Germany has always felt that it was within Europe the principal interlocutor of Russia, uh, and Merkel uh, had a certain persona and a certain role in this regard. And uh, France was not given that much space within the European Union in dealing uh, with uh, Russia. Now, with Scholz, who's, uh, who's, uh, who doesn't have the same kind of 
political weight as Merkel had. And uh, he, he, he doesn't have the same kind of uh, dynamic, uh, pers- well, I don't think Merkel was dynamic, but he, he, he lacks a certain degree of uh, dynamism. He's not been able to, at the moment, uh, make a strong impression in terms of uh, leadership. On top of it, uh, Germany has, uh, and I'm, I'm asking your answer, I'm answering your question indirectly. At the same time, Germany is in economic trouble uh, with inflation uh, being very high and uh, and uh, its industry now facing uh, big challenges, which therefore means that it will be easier for France to work with Germany uh, in, ter- in terms of addressing what they see is the challenge uh, from Russia. In other words, France has to bring Germany on board uh, in, in dealing with Russia. However, the problem here is that the Americans uh, have a different agenda. And uh, I think it is it'll be quite fair to say that they're not interested in a quick ending of, of the conflict. They would like uh, Vladimir Putin to go. Was that your sense? They would like Vladimir Putin to go? No, no, that is far-fetched. That is, that is being unrealistic. But they think that here's a chance to weaken Russia and in the process also weaken Europe. And uh, they are already gaining a lot in terms of gas and everything else and in terms of uh, military uh, equipment. After all, Germany is now going to go in for F-35 aircraft, which has a lot of repercussions in terms of Europe developing an independent kind of a defense uh, uh, deterrent together. Uh, or not deterrent really, but uh, defense capability together, which will betray a common defense policy. Now, if Germany goes the American way, as as one understands it will, this will create some difficulties. But coming back to what I was saying, that France and Germany have to work together if the Ukraine problem has to be addressed and if together the European Union has to stand up uh, to the American policy and the British policy, which currently is to prolong the conflict in Ukraine and seek to weaken Russia, which is not the intention either of France or Germany. Obviously, being members of the European Union, and they have to respond to the public sentiment. They have to keep Europe together. Therefore, they are beginning to arm Ukraine, but reluctantly, but they're beginning to arm. At the same time, uh, both countries, both countries, and especially Macron, very sensibly, wants to keep the doors of dialogue open with Putin, with Russia, which is why he's, he's playing on, 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 on two fronts that uh, keep uh, supporting Ukraine, uh, but at the same time, do it in a way that the channels of communication with, with, uh, with Russia and with Putin are not closed. And uh, do you see that, uh, uh, you, you know, you were saying that uh, the American agenda is uh, and the British agenda is uh, d- different from what France and Germany want. Do you see any actual uh, uh, possibility of a breakthrough, a dialogue process or uh, something larger which would yield some kind of agreement, a compromise that would, uh, you know, that would finally, uh, you know, everybody could agree to? I don't think so. Because, as you know, the Minsk Agreement uh, 1 and 2 uh, were brokered by France and Germany. And for seven, eight years, the, the Minsk Agreement uh, was not implemented. And if you look at the Minsk Agreement and uh, the core of it, actually, if it had been implemented, uh, this war could have been avoided. But the Americans uh, didn't want the implementation uh, of this uh, because they have, a, they have a wider agenda vis-a-vis uh, Russia right from Obama's time. If you see the 
from Obama's time and Trump's time, despite Trump's efforts to have some kind of a dialogue with uh, Russia, he was also compelled uh, because of uh, pressure from public opinion that uh, Putin and Russia had interfered in the U.S. presidential election and helped uh, Trump win. He also imposed a whole series of sanctions on Russia. So this policy of sanctioning Russia, imposing costs on Russia, uh, goes much beyond the Biden uh, ad administration. And within the Congress, within the media, within the think tanks, uh, within the Democratic Party as, as such, there is very strong anti-Russian sentiment. So they're not going to allow France and Germany uh, an independent uh, role in reaching out to Putin and Russia and trying to resolve this conflict, which means, therefore, that uh, America cannot pull the strings anymore. And Britain now is actually even more aggressive in terms of uh, dealing with Russia and, uh, and prolonging this conflict uh, than even the United States, United States is. And, and uh, Britain has been openly saying that uh, Poland and the Baltic states, states must take the leadership of Europe, which, if you parse it, actually means that it can no longer be France and Germany uh, who are going to decide these matters. So the larger perspective has become that of a prolongation of the Cold War uh, thinking, with which uh, France is not comfortable, and even Scholz is not comfortable, though. I think uh, Germany, because of weak leadership, has uh, been almost bullied into falling into line with uh, what the Americans want. Mr. Kaval Sibbal, thank you so much for talking to the Hindus In Focus podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.